the, the thing that's so important here for all of us to remember is that no matter where we are in life, we can say to God, okay, God, how are you going to use me today? And you can have that peace to know that God's going to guide you. Your job is to listen. Welcome to the Intertwined Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Zentz. I am a wife and a mom on a mission. I've got a passion to help women discover practical ways to apply the power of God's word to our everyday stuff. I truly believe that our walks with the Lord should be seamlessly intertwined with our everyday lives. It should affect every move we make and every breath we take. So come on, let's do life together. You've got this, cause he's got you. Hey, hey guys, welcome back. Today I've got a children's book author, Molly Wilmington, and she is talking about Diedrich Bonhoeffer. So a lot of people may be saying, huh? Or you may be saying, sure, I know who he is, but how in the world is that a children's book? That was my first response too. (laughs) But um, listen to this, you're gonna enjoy this. You're gonna love to see how Molly is able to take such a powerful story of a hero of our faith from World War II time from some of the darkest times in human history, and yet take the message of his perseverance, his faithfulness, and the opportunities that he leaned into to be used by God in the worst of the worst situations. And she takes his story and she brings it to a level that never loses its impact, yet creates a very approachable way for our children to be introduced to this powerful figure. And this story should not be lost. And so it's really exciting to see someone with the gift to take a story of power, but also of difficulty and be able to communicate it into the hearts of our children so that we can pass on these powerful stories to generations to come. So I know you're going to enjoy this. If you don't know who Bonhoeffer is, you're really going to love this. And if you do know who Bonhoeffer is, I think this could be really encouraging to you to not let those stories die with time but to be able to revive them, bring fresh life into them and be sure we are passing on these stories to our children. So enjoy this episode, enjoy this conversation. I know that you will, and be sure you do not miss next episode coming out in two weeks. If you, I I guess as you're listening to this, all of us, especially public school, we've started back into the swing of the school year. And next week, I have an interview that I did with a wonderful, wonderful lady. Her name is Patricia Sung, and she is a coach for moms with ADHD. So we often hear about people like, you know, how do I parent my kid who has ADHD? But she has a whole different take on it. And if you are the one with ADHD, that's a whole other level, right? And she may or may not have diagnosed me. (laughs) So I want you to come back in two weeks and listen to her episode too, because it is loaded with great tips. And even if you or your children do not suffer from ADHD, you are going to find so much good in that interview with her. So until then, enjoy this talk with Molly Wilmington. All right, Molly Wilmington, welcome to the Intertwined Life podcast. Thank you, Jenny. It's so great to be here. I'm glad you're here. So you have you been on like a whirlwind tour of podcasts recently? It's not a whirlwind tour, but about every week, one or two. Yep. So for about six weeks. Wow. Yeah. A few more coming up. So it's been fun. It's been a whole mix. I've done podcasts, TV shows, radio. Awesome. Live, not live, 6 a.m. in the morning. 
Oh uh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> it wasn't video. It was live and video. Oh. Yeah. So that's really like a 3 a.m., right? And, then, and there was another one back to back. So it was 6 a.m. and then 6.20. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, so then, I, what going, what was that? I was bold. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible though. So I am sure that people now are wondering, what, wh why are you doing all this stuff? What are we talking about? So tell my listeners a little about you and what brings you on the show today. I wrote a children's book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is many people's, one of their favorite writers. People talk about him in sermons. You just keep hearing about him over and over. And he also crosses over through all the Christian traditions. Everyone loves him. They love his story. And one of the reasons is, is he was a German pastor and a theologian who stood up against Hitler. He joined the resistance eventually. He had some family members who were part of the resistance, um, military intelligence, living in Berlin. And so eventually, you know, I could tell you more about his story, but the overall story is that after, oh gosh, how many years? Well, after several years of Hitler being in power, Bonhoeffer decided to become a spy for the Nazis, but then was a double agent. And he, but he continued to just be a pastor and travel around to the different countries and share information about the war and how there was a resistance. And if other countries would come along and support the resistance, they could, you know, stop Hitler faster. And this went on for, Hitler was in power for 12 years. And um, I decided to write this children's book. Well, I'll just say too that uh, Bonhoeffer was killed in prison, you know, martyred. Uh, three weeks before the war ended because he was no longer useful. Hitler knew the the um, troops were in Germany and headed toward him. And so he he killed several prisoners and Bonhoeffer was one. So he, he is a, a witness of, of what it is like to lay down your life, to follow Jesus and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of hold loosely your dreams. And mm -hmm. when things get turned upside down and you don't understand what's happening or why you you turn to God and you pray and see where God leads you. And I listened to your podcast with Angie. Yeah. And um, about depression and following God and staying rooted in scripture. And I can definitely talk about that too. I wrote this book for my children. I wanted them to have another hero. So kids, yeah. of course, love superheroes, but a lot of those movies are so dark that they can't even watch those. Mm -hmm. And then they hear the same stories in Sunday school and you know, growing up reading children's books over and over. So I wanted them to have some people outside of the church. Yeah. I was interested in Bonhoeffer because of his witness and how he stood firm, which I know is something important to you. He stood firm and put his faith into action. I wanted my kids to know somebody like that. And there was no children's book on Bonhoeffer. Now, I think I know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't just scream children's book, you know, killed in a Nazi camp. I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't scream that. But if we really think about the true story behind the flood, that doesn't really either, right? Exactly. <laughs> Noah That's and the I cuddly said. little animals is really not what we should decorate our nurseries with. <laughs> exactly. That's what I say all the time. I say, you can tell children's books at different age levels and yes. they build. Yes, And I do remember, I remember as a child reading in the Bible, the full account of the flood thinking, oh, you know, and I think there was a picture of people up high, like on a mountaintop with the water mm -hmm. coming around them. Mm -hmm. And, but it, but it didn't show the gruesomeness of yeah, it. Yeah. Right? 
and I know like the movie Noah I saw that recently and oh mm. you could hear you could hear the sounds of people drowning well mm. in my book I tell it at an intro level and mm. I do believe you can talk about these things with children adults are the ones who might enter a book like this and think oh no where's this going to go because there's so much you know and I don't want my kids to know um, things that might scare them or they're not ready to, to comprehend. I remember reading a book about Abraham Lincoln to my son when he was younger, and I just skipped the end. I didn't want him to know that our president could yeah. be assassinated. Yeah, he, he just was wasn't ready young. for that truth. Yeah. Yeah, he was too young. He needed to know that his country was secure. So we read up to a certain point, and he didn't notice that the book ended. Um, and so with my book, when I went to the publisher, I said, I, I do not want the kids to know how Bonhoeffer died or how Hitler died. And those are the only two people that we say died. Mm -hmm. I do say things like Hitler was willing to do anything to get what he wanted. Yeah. But again, that's nebulous. And the parents can wait to see what questions the kids ask and exactly. if they want to know things that they're not ready for the parents know and teachers and even I when I when I read to a group I'll say well you can learn about that later or go ask your parents and mm -hmm. have a conversation with them and the parents know their child they know their okay. maturity and whether how sensitive they are so again it's a it's a fun picture book it starts off by talking about how Bonhoeffer loved children and how he was a teacher and a pastor. And it also talks about how he cared for them. And I know at the beginning of your podcast, you talk about life together mm -hmm. and that intertwined. So mm -hmm. intertwining your faith with what you do and scripture with what you do, but also being in community. Absolutely. So the book starts off with that. And it also has some fun stories that kids like. There's a story about Bonhoeffer would spend his evenings playing games and music together with his students. And one of his students crawled under a grand piano. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> right. To Did you see it? Did you read yeah, I read the book. Yeah, I read it with my son, actually. Oh, great. And how old is your son? He's 11. So he's probably oh. a little above the target age, but, it was, but the story is one that he needed to be aware of, right? right. So it was a great way to introduce. So I, I do want you to talk, okay. Sorry, I interrupted your fun story. I want to hear the fun story, but I also want you to give us an idea of the age range that you are thinking when you made this book. Mm -hmm. But I want to well, hear the fun story. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you the age range right now. So it is a, a picture book. So it's the basic kind of square looking book. It's not an easy reader. When I originally wrote it, I wrote it as an easy reader, just that step above, sure. but it's the same tone and it's actually the same age group. It's beautiful. So, it's oh, the illustrations are beautiful. And I oh, think it has the look and feel of that classic that the kids want to go back to because the pictures are so well done. And I can just see it being, yeah, just like a great book added to family libraries all over. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. That's the kind of book I wanted it to be. One that had interesting stories that kids love with humor. And I had two favorite books that I modeled it after. One is called George Washington and the General's Dog. And that book, it, it came out in, I think, 2007, somewhere in there. And it's about how, so it tells the story of George Washington. It starts off by talking about how he loved animals and especially his dogs. And then it transitions into how the dogs were taken into the battlefield because they helped them hunt and pro provide security, but also comfort. And there's this wonderful story that the writer found 
where George Washington, they're in their camp, the opposing general's dog ends up in their camp. And it says on the dog's collar, this dog belongs to General Howe. So they raise the white flag and they take the dog back to General Howe. And then they go back and they start fighting again. Is this a true story? Yeah, it's a true story. I love it. (laughs) Yes, yes. So you use a story like this, right? That has the compassion, the interest and learning something new that's very specific that kids and adults like. And then you can weave in some more. So there is one of my favorite pictures in that book shows them. It's just a beautiful picture too. Shows them cold and hungry or trying to stay warm around, you know, campfires, Mm -hmm. because we know that a lot of people suffered during that, um, those battles with Washington and they didn't have the supplies they needed. So you, you, you have a little bit of what it was like. And there is a, another picture showing tanks Mm -hmm. shooting tanks no cannons. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> wrong book my book <laughs> that's so funny that's that's when you can tell if somebody knows their history <laughs> when they say tanks in the 1800s I love it. <laughs> uh, right I meant to say cannons firing into the there distance so what the reason I said that is I had thought at one point in my earlier versions that I might have a picture of tanks Mm. Uh, for my book sure. uh, because I thought oh that's a good parallel you know mm-hmm. to show okay what does the battle look like well we we ended up I in my final version I didn't have anything that really needed a battle scene yeah. but there are some scenes in, in my book uh, oh and just to finish the George Washington yes. one so then it kind of wraps up and it talks about how he became the first president and and also how he received all these animals from other um, countries as as congratulation gifts for becoming president you know like donkeys and poodles and because of the story of him returning the dog so it's fun and what happens is you even though so a lot of children's biographies just tell a straight story right and so you look at the book and say oh we know that story we're not going to pick it up again but then you look at a book like this one and you go oh I want to see those funny pictures and I want to see him returning the dog and and so that's why I set out uh, to find stories about Bonhoeffer that children liked And there was this other favorite children's book. It was written in probably the late 70s, early 80s about Davy Crockett. And Davy Crockett wore a raccoon skin hat and told tall tales. And he also was uh, from Tennessee, but died at the Alamo in Texas. So people in Texas where I'm from, we all know Davy Crockett. And there's songs and movies, right? So this children's book had Davy Crockett wearing a live raccoon skin hat. Uh, right yeah and riding alligators down um, the river and telling tall tales but at the bottom of every page were two raccoons cracking wisecracks and so (laughs) yeah and this is Robert Quackenbush he has a whole series of biographies that are really good Mm. and he was one of my favorite childhood writers he also had a Henry the Duck who was an accident prone duck and his last name is Quackenbush so he wanted to say You have yeah. to do something funny with that name. <laughs> right. So he actually wrote them for his son, Pete, to it. like his last name. So it was about an accident prone duck who lived in a bush. That's yeah. Too cute. So hugely successful. He he just passed away a few years ago at, in his 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful writer. So I had, I had these two children's books. One I discovered, well, actually I discovered them both when reading to my kids. And years ago, I knew I wanted to write children's books. And my grandmother gave me a book called How to Write a Children's Book and Get It Published. Mm. So I I know, isn't that sweet? I don't remember exactly when she gave it to me. 
I did take a children's literature course at Baylor University. I was an English major and this was through the education department and I loved it. And, and my, my teacher encouraged me. She thought I was, you know, really understood things well. And so those kind of things helped me along the way. And I would kind of dabble here and there trying to write a book. Uh, but then when I was reading to my kids, again, I noticed that there were no children's books on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And there was somebody else I had been reading that I really liked, which was Will, William Wilberforce. Right. <laughs> William Wilberforce. It's, it's a mouthful anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I saw the movie Amazing Grace. Did yes. you see that movie? Yes, yes. I did. So that movie opened my eyes to how God can bring people together to change uh, the culture. And it's yes. not just William who ended the slave trade and then eventually led to the ending of slavery in England. It was this whole group of people working together. And they also reformed the schools and the prisons, the hospitals. Mm -hmm. That's why so many hospitals are named after you know, Methodist, Catholic, Baptist, they, um, it's the Christians who reform society. They see that people aren't being taken care of well. They also took, it, this is in um, Amazing Grace, where they took gin out of the city and replaced it with beer. So, because so many people, including whole families and children were drinking gin mm -hmm. at home. And so, so it's causing major yeah. problems in society. Yeah. So I wanted my kids to know about Bonhoeffer and I, I did, I, I remember this one time where I sat down with my son, who was probably about seven or eight and said, oh, let me tell you about Bonhoeffer. And I held his attention for like 30 seconds, right? Yeah. All you can do is do that intro, right? You can't really capture their attention. But then when you have a children's book like this, you have the colors and I have a yeah. dog narrator who's really cute. Mm -hmm. His name is Shep. He's a sheepdog puppy. Mm -hmm. We decided to make him as cute as possible. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> since, we're talking, since we're talking about you know, a dark time in history. Um, but again, it, it focuses more on Bonhoeffer. I, I told them, I only want Hitler to be in one picture and I want him to be in the distance. Yeah. Um, I do say his name a few times, but most of the time I use the word Nazi, which mm -hmm. again is such it's a word that's thrown around all the time. But kids don't know what it means. They probably haven't heard it. Mm -hmm. um, or if they have, it's hopefully in context. It's mm -hmm. not just a mm -hmm. term that people throw around. So I do focus a little bit more on that because you have to have a bad guy in the story, right? Sure. Bonhoeffer is standing firm against them. The other thing that is, is kind of shown in the book is that how Hitler was taking away the power from the people. So the very first month that he was in power, he made a law where he could, the Nazis could search people's homes without mm -hmm. any kind of warrant, just show up and do it. Um, listen to their phone conversations by tapping their phones without them knowing and searching their mail again without them knowing. So this was for 12 years that Hitler was in power mm -hmm. and nobody knew he was going to be as ruthless and, and swift and awful as he was. They knew that his rhetoric was idolatrous you know, setting himself up to be the savior of the German people. You know, they, they didn't have enough food. This is one, one picture I have in there where the people are standing in food lines. I wanted the children and my children, and of course, the parents who don't know the story and other adults who read to understand, well, how could Germany even elect a leader like Hitler? Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that they were very poor after World War One and struggling and and they wanted to be strong and a healthy country again. So I do have that in there. I do also uh, talk again, again about how first Hitler attacked his own country. I don't actually say that, but what I do say 
is that Hitler wanted more power. So he started attacking other countries. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I lead into uh, World War II starting. Bonhoeffer also, I don't say this in the book, but he had the opportunity to leave Germany. His family knew that he would probably be enlisted and be you know, killed. The statistics were super high and the people. And then Bonhoeffer actually wanted peace. He didn't support what Hitler was doing, that type of aggression didn't support war. And so he left to go back to America. He had been to America for one year um, in 1930. He was born in 1906. So then he went back, um, but was just there for a month because while he was there, he felt conflicted that if he wanted to help rebuild Germany, because he knew this was going to fail, Mm-hmm. that he needed to be there to help the church. And he was, even though he was young, he was one of the major people who helped the church hold on to the power they had and stand up. They even became known as the confessing church, which they still argued that they were the true church. And they still had the the authority to do and the power to do what they were doing. They were not starting a new church. You know, they they kept going along these lines to to stand up to Hitler. So there's a little bit about that. Now, going back to what the kids like, I transition into how Bonhoeffer became a spy. So the best way, and I say this, the best way for him to follow the two greatest commandments is to love God and love his neighbor mm-hmm. was for him to become a spy. I liked how you and, did that. I thought that was oh, really clever how you showed that he was fulfilling God's call in his life by taking a path less traveled by an unexpected twist in his life and how that that was Mm -hmm. stepping into that. I thought that was beautiful. Anyway, sorry, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was good. Oh no, that helps. It's great to know, you know, and part of with a children's book, uh, there's the hardest part was not talking about Bonhoeffer or Germany. It was getting this down to 32 pages and only so many words. Yeah. So I did shorten it. I said, you know, the best way for him to follow, to follow God and love his neighbor at this point in his life was to become a spy. And then of course, children love pretending to be spies, playing hide and seek. And you know, why do they do that? Because they know that there's evil in the world. They know there are times that that people have to um, be smart and hide Mm -hmm. or find out information Mm -hmm. or stand up against the bad guy. You know, they know all this. that's why I even called it the teacher who became a spy. And so that's my central thing that we're building up to is how he became a spy. So with the Washington book, it was, you know, returning the dog and the kids of course are very interested. There's a secret code inside the book, which they learn about halfway through. Mm-hmm. And then about halfway through the secret code starts too. So the kids start seeing dots under certain letters and I won't tell the listeners, but the secret code is something that you say often, Jenny. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And I found it nine months after reading. You can tell your listeners if you want, but we could also let it be a surprise. But I found it nine months after kind of filling in the outline I had for the book. And I, w- I just kept thinking, oh, what should I write? And I would ask kids, what do you think the secret code should be? And they would say things like, Uh, don't give up, keep fighting. And I was like, okay, those aren't really secret codes, but that's what kids want it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't want it to be drink more Ovaltine from, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that would be the worst, you know, from a Christmas story where Ralphie is so mad when he finally figures it out. He thinks he's going to be this great spy and it's, it's an advertisement. Um, So I did, I came upon a a scripture in Philippians. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. And 
then um, I thought, oh, that's my code. Well, then I, I kept reading more and more of the biographies on Bonhoeffer. And it actually turns out that is something he said often to other oh, people. Oh, so you figured that out to be the code before you realized he said it so much. Yes. Oh, wow. I, wow. I assumed when, first off, my, my son enjoyed, I mean, you know, even though the book was a little young for him, he did enjoy going back and looking for the thing and writing down the code. Like he thought that was pretty cool. And the fact Uh that he got to do something that was the way spies did this in World War II, we got to talk about that. And and that was pretty cool. I love that aspect, but I just assumed it was because it was so prevalent in Bonhoeffer's life that you chose it. Oh, uh-huh. that's cool. That's such a God thing. I love that. It is. It is. And the whole, the whole dog narrator is a God thing too. Yeah. Originally he was in my book he, as one of the stories about this dog that was one of his students' dogs named Mist Wolf. And so it was kind of a sad story. It's, it's beautiful too. People can read about it. It's about the dog dying and Bonhoeffer being impressed at how he helped the child understand about how God gives us animals that we love and that love goes on because the, the the child was distraught and saying it was all Adam and Eve's fault that his dog died. And I know. And so Bonhoeffer, you know, comforted the child, but then wrote about it later to, I forget who exactly, but said how he learned from the child's love mm. for the dog too. So it was a beautiful story. Uh, and my husband was funny. He, he didn't want to be, uh, guiding me because he's also a writer and a th- oh, okay. he's a theolo- he's a, yeah he's a theologian he's a musician and he's a writer like nice. Bonhoeffer and <laughs> he wanted this to be my story but when I told him that I had a, a dog that died he's like you can't have a dog die in a story <laughs> now of course you can if they're the main character but Bonhoeffer also also dies so sounds like my husband is like you can I mean I hate to say it my husband be like you can kill people before you can kill dogs <laughs> He would have totally been the one in the war, pausing the war and giving the dog back and then going back to fight the people. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So then I, um, I took him out, but then for months, I just kept thinking, how can I keep Mr. Wolf? Because my daughter loved Mr. Wolf. I love Mr. Wolf. She was six at the time. And nine months in, I had this line where I was helping children understand that Hitler was like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm. And then I, I just kept thinking, okay, I could put some, well, what if I made uh, Mr. Wolf, who's now Shep, because people thought that was confusing that Hitler was also a wolf. Yeah. But the kids didn't think so, but the adults did, rightly so. So we, sh- we changed him to Shep. And I just kept thinking, well, how could I have him in the book if I did? And what if I made him the narrator? That would be fun to have a dog narrator. And I knew I wanted him on the cover. Mm-hmm. because I had seen how kids reacted when they saw animals on the cover of a book. Good point. And my daughter was so cute. When I would read stories to her that had corny dog humor or things like that, she would just look back up at me and I'm reading over her shoulder and she'd say, mom, did you get that? <laughs> so and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I got that. You know, and I was like, I need some corny dog humor in there. So I do start off with with one corny line um, saying, here's a tale for you, no, not a dog's tale, but a story. So I kept that one. There was another one in there about how his favorite game was chasing his tail or something, but that, it just didn't really flow. But then what happened is when I was thinking, okay, what else could I have? A theme came out and it was the good shepherd theme. And you were asking me what one of my favorite scriptures is right now. And it's, it's all the scriptures about Jesus being our good shepherd. Those are my favorite ones right now. I'm talking about this book a lot. They're on my mind. I keep reading those scriptures. Um, 
John Foreman has a beautiful song about um, God is my shepherd, um, Psalm 23. And I love that. So he's the lead singer of Switchfoot, if anybody knows Switchfoot. Mm -hmm. So those, that has been on my mind a lot. And what it, what the theme is then is that Bonhoeffer is like a good sheepdog, obedient sheepdog who follows Jesus, the good shepherd and stood firm or stands firm against the evil wolf Hitler. And that helps younger children to understand the more complex story of what it's like to have a, a leader in your country that uh, is as powerful as Hitler and a war that's a world war. And, yeah. um, it brings it down to their level to understand um, yeah. and helps them understand as well. So then going back to the book, you know, then we go into uh, what it's like to be a spy. The children see how Bonhoeffer's nieces and nephews help to decipher the secret codes in the books. They also help make jelly in another picture. Another spy trick is jelly, where they hide entire messages uh, within the thin lids of the jelly jars. And there's another area that early on I saw that it really resonated with the kids. And that was where Bonhoeffer was in prison. And I think this goes along really well with the conversation you had with Angie about depression and you know being where you are. and reading the scripture and thankfully Bonhoeffer had a Bible and he yes. was able to write. He wrote many of the things that we still read today. He wrote while in prison, letters and papers from prison. So he, that's one of the things I say is that at times he was sad and lonely in prison, but he read the Bible and, and I do know that the Psalms were very important to him. And so then I, I referenced Psalm 23 about Jesus being the good shepherd who provides comfort and peace and strength. And the, the thing that's so important here for all of us to remember is that no matter where we are in life, we can say to God, okay, God, how are you going to use me today? And you can have that peace to know that God's going to guide you. Mm -hmm. Your job is to listen, to read scripture, to be prepared. I liked what you said to Angie about how we can't, or maybe she said it to you. I can't remember who said it, but how you need to know the scripture for God to use the scripture. Yeah. 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 I, 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 um, yeah, I was talking about where Christ was in the wilderness and Satan comes up and he says, it is written, it is written. So the Holy spirit, Jesus tells us, will remind us of the things he's taught us, but we can't be reminded of things we haven't given mind to, which is why we've yes. got to be in the word. So we know the word so that when that comes up, we've got something to stand on. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Stand firm. And Bonhoeffer did help people in prison. The prison guards even loved him. In fact, yeah. there was even an escape plan for him to get out, but he didn't because one of his brothers had been arrested and he thought that that would make his brother look guilty if he escaped. Mm. So in the, in there's a vignette or, you know, three different scenes of Bonhoeffer helping people in prison. So again, a very practical way of putting your faith that intertwined what, you, what mm. you're talking about, putting your faith in action there and, and living life together. You know, he now his family were the people that he lived with in prison and he prayed with them. He shared scripture notes. He shared the little food he had. And for kids, that's a big deal. I had a sixth grade teacher point that out to me saying hmm. when a child forgets their lunch at school, they can share some of their lunch with another child, which means they're going to be a little bit hungrier that day, mm -hmm. but it's a power and a gift that kids can give. And I remember asking for feedback with this, uh, my daughter's first grade class. When I read it to them, she's now finishing ninth grade. That's okay, another thing we can, we can talk about. Yeah. You know how these things take time. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. Yeah. So the kid, one of the child kids said that it, it was the prison 
scenes that resonated with her the most, her favorite part. And I thought, oh, that's really important. I need to make sure to keep that. Um, and I do like how it, the flow of it having, you know, three pictures together, but he did so many things while he was in prison to help people. In fact, the very last scene in the book is about him. He had just finished leading worship with the other prisoners. Yeah. And um, Hitler was furious because they had found some documents where the uh, German resistance had been saving video. Like I said, they'd be film. It wouldn't be videos, but film and letters and what else? pictures, mm -hmm. you know, documenting the atrocities mm -hmm. so that when the allied troops arrived, these Germans could say, trust us, we want to help rebuild our country. Right. Yeah. So then they, um, the Nazis had found these Hitler was furious, ordered the death of the prisoners. And when Bonhoeffer didn't know if he was going to make it now, they could hear, they could hear that the allied troops were coming closer. So they knew the war was ending soon. And, uh, but he was kind of on the move. They were moving the prisoners around. And one of the prison guards came up and said to Bonhoeffer for him to come with them. And Bonhoeffer had just been leading a worship service with some of the other prisoners. So Bonhoeffer turned to one of the other prisoners and said, this is the end for me, the beginning of life. And then there's a, the illustration shows Bonhoeffer praying and looking up to heaven. Um, that's it. Nothing else around him. And then the narrator, Shep, is looking at us with a look of peace and joy and hope. So several looks all in his eyes. I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Dogs um, yes, yes. Looking at us mm -hmm. and happy to have shared that story with us. And it says in the end, Shep says, Bonhoeffer knew that dying was not really at the end, that he would go on to live forever in heaven with Jesus as good shepherd. Mm -hmm. And I love that the book ends with good shepherd because yeah. really... The book isn't about Bonhoeffer and Bonhoeffer would be very happy to know this. Exactly. That this was about his master, the Absolutely. good shepherd. Absolutely. Yeah. I do. And I, I do love the way you bring that. But I liked that you didn't leave that part out because mm. our kids have to be, I mean, this is a crazy world and it's getting mm -hmm. crazier and harder. And so we can shelter them if we want, but. Mm, at some point we've got to start helping them understand reality enough so that they know the importance of, of building their faith. And so that there's, I love how you talk about that. This book really helps kids learn bravery and standing up for what's right and, and mm -hmm. living that out in the midst of hard times, right? Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that aspect of it or have we already done that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I can talk about it some more. You know, we talked about the scripture, about following the two greatest commandments. I think another thing I heard you say in, in the, the podcast with Angie, too, is that we need to know God. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned over the past so many years of being an adult is yeah. to follow God. We need to know God. Yeah. Right. We and, and I've I think mean, I work in nonprofits where I help people who've had hard lives. And I say that to people sometimes I say, well, you shouldn't feel guilty about not following God because you didn't know God. You mm. weren't going to church. Your parents weren't living the type of lives to be an example of, you know, and so, yes, you became pregnant and had a child at the age of 17. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and she said, well, I knew not to be drinking. I was like, okay, well, you knew that, but you, but you shouldn't feel like you let God down. You yeah. didn't know God, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's very important. How do we know God? We know from reading our, our Bible, 
and from going to church. That's one thing we haven't talked very much about is the life together. Mm-hmm. Bonhoeffer was raised in a, a home with many children and a great education, but they didn't go to church. They read the Bible at home. And it wasn't until he went to America where he experienced worshiping in an African-American or black church in Harlem mm. that he, he saw mm. a vibrant worship. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and he heard the spirituals, yeah. uh, swing low, sweet chariot was oh, one. Yeah. And I referenced that in the book and there's a picture of him worshiping. Mm-hmm. He taught the kids. It was his classmate from union theological seminary who worshiped there. So he had two awesome. black um, classmates. And of course, Bonhoeffer is this blonde, blue-eyed German in 1930, not mm-hmm. long after World War One. Yeah. So We're talking pre-civil the, rights. <laughs> well, yeah. but but he's also, he, he's also kind of not somebody that Americans are going to exactly. want to be Exactly. At that time, you, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You know, Germans were, whew, you know, especially if you were straight, straight from Germany, really were. But it opened his eyes to see um, how important it was to live life together mm-hmm. and he had been teaching children and the importance of, of children to understand and to have support he also saw the poverty in america and that when he went back to germany he started working with children in the poor neighborhoods and he eventually opened a seminary where they it was an illegal seminary where they um, really did live life together out far away from the cities and the universities and that meant so much to Bonhoeffer and he wrote the, you know, life together. And our churches still use that today with forming, you know, small groups. They even will call them life together groups or growth groups mm-hmm. and the importance of, you know, not just going to church and then leaving, um, but building each other up, supporting each other, being brothers and sisters that intertwined life, right? Mm-hmm. Everywhere you go, um, living life together, which I heard you say that in your intro too. <laughs> Which I love. I mean, That's you awesome. are a Bonhoeffer girl. <laughs> I'm a Bonhoeffer girl. I love it. We should get t-shirts. <laughs> That's great. Oh, it's so good. That's so good. So, okay. You brought up something and I'm totally going to go there. Okay. You're starting this book. Your daughter's in first grade. Uh-huh. When was it, when was it published? Uh, last month, April 14th. Exactly. So from first grade to ninth grade. Uh-huh. You're speaking honestly, whether we're on an interview right now or not. We got a whole other episode here. You're gonna help me. <laughs> this yeah. is so something that the Lord and I are praying through, and that so many of us have been on this journey. But speak to that that perseverance when your dreams take longer than you think, or that seed mm-hmm. that God's planted in your heart that you know mm-hmm. He's called you to, and yet it's taking a lot longer than you expected to kind of fruition. Talk about that. Mm-hmm. So it actually started, I think, when she was in kindergarten. So we're talking August of 2014 is when my friend sent me a text message. She was an editor for a publishing company, and I was a little clueless. I didn't realize how nice her publishing company was. I just thought, oh, that's great. She edits books. <laughs> uh, but she sent me a text. Yeah, Thomas Nelson. Oh, actually, ended yeah. <laughs> they published um, the the Eric Metaxas Bonhoeffer book that sold millions of copies and was translated into multi. Yeah. So she sent me a text message, text message and said, Hey, if you have any children's book ideas, let me know. Because she had, yeah, she had been um, living in, in Waco. We were at Baylor university. Her husband was in the PhD program with my husband, but they had just moved away and they were in Nashville. 
Yeah. So again, clueless, uh, but just like, oh, okay, yeah. And uh, I, I think she actually meant if I had any ideas, let her know and they would write the book, but I've never actually asked her. I, I'm <laughs> going to ask her one of these days. Uh, but I took it to be, I mean, she knew I wanted to write books. So yeah. I had already been reading on Bonhoeffer and uh, Wilberforce, and I'd heard Eric Metaxa speak on Bonhoeffer. So I thought, okay, I know enough. I'm going to model my book after George Washington and the General's Dog, loosely. Oh, and I went and sat down with a librarian at Baylor, the children's librarian. I wanted to make sure I did a thorough search of whatever was out there in the system worldwide. And there, I confirmed there were no children's books on Bonhoeffer or Wilberforce for that age range, that sure. six, to, six to nine age range. We never quite answered that. Yeah. Um, but it is appropriate for kids of all ages. Um, younger kids read it and with their families and love it. And kids as old as 17 love it. Um, mm -hmm. Whole families have conversations. It's, it's really great. Mm -hmm. And of course, you can have uh, more conversations at a deeper level with the older kids. Sure. But even the younger kids will keep bringing it up. And I've had kids say to their parents the next Sunday in church, oh, we just read a quote from, that's Bonhoeffer. That's who oh, we just that's read. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's really yeah. cool to see um, how how it's sinking in and how often the kids keep bringing things up. I, I keep hearing these stories. Okay. I, I, I went off track. So the, um, so I, I researched the books came and the books I got were for that more of 10 to 12 age range, mm -hmm. just a few, just a few, but there were some good stories about Bonhoeffer. My main purpose was to try to find though that story that I could sure put the book around. Right. And in the case of what I did end up is I got the interesting stories at the beginning about him helping children, but also the fun stories. There's another one like where he sent a postcard of himself from Spain, where he put his own face over the bullfighter's face and kids just love that. They think it's hysterical because <laughs> um, it does look pretty funny, actually. <laughs> and then uh, that's also where I got the ideas about the prison, you know, what he did while he was in prison. And then I filled out the rest of the story by reading lots of other biographies. In fact, some people think that Eric Metaxa's bi biography is really thick. The original biography by his best friend is even thicker, but it's yeah. great. It's yeah. full of good information. Um, and, but to get back on track, the, the thing I knew when I started, I had watched a lot of behind the scenes of movies. I had already heard about how long some of the best children's books like Alice in Wonderland or Peter Pan, how they were rejected 10, 12 times or took sure. 10, 12 years. So I knew enough to think, okay, I can write a children's book. I have enough information. I have this text from my friend now. This seems like a green light. So I'm going to go for it. And I have no idea where it's going to lead me. Yeah. So I, I held it loosely and I thought I may never get published. I don't know why I'm going to be writing and reading about Bonhoeffer, God might use this in other ways. And a lot of things happened during that time uh, of all these years yeah. that were also important. So that's the other thing I kept in mind. You know, I work at a pregnancy clinic and what I do every day is very important. My husband's a teacher, my kids are growing up, you know, mm -hmm. all of that's important. So I might put the book on hold for eight weeks. And my daughter was also pretty young. So if she saw me working on it all the time, you know, that wouldn't be good. Plus I wanted to be with her. Yeah. Um, and so I just, again, uh, held out there. One of the things that helped me, uh, and this might help your audience as well, is in The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, mm -hmm. there is the story about the painter. And the overall story is about these people who have died and they have these guides. It's, it's based 
on um, Dante's, you know, a trilogy with Beatrice and Virgil as the guides leading you higher into heaven, right? So it's not supposed to be, this is the way it is after we die. It's really more about the human condition. And so these people have died, but they don't, the, the, the painter doesn't want to move on because he didn't get to finish painting the things he wanted to paint, even though he knows he's going to be with God. And then one of the things that's pointed out to him by his guide is that the reason people liked his paintings is that his paintings revealed God. Yeah. They were drawn to his paintings because of God and he accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish on earth. And now he was supposed to move on. It wasn't about him. It's about his journey toward God. Mm -hmm. And so I've always kept that in mind that I, God's going to use every day and I can be at peace by saying to God, here I am, send me, show me what you want me to say. Open my eyes. I heard you say that earlier. Um, help me to hear what you want me to hear, see what you want me to see. Mm -hmm. And we really can be at peace. Now, do I get excited and anxious at times? Yes. I am definitely a cheerleader type person mm -hmm. as well. I love to talk, get excited, share ideas. But I also need to back up and not think too far about the future. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this, this book did take a while, but that wonderful thing is it's like I envisioned. And oh, I had good. so much to do with the final product. It actually was under contract before, but it ended up that they had some change in management and that publishing company. And the person, the next person that came along, I just don't think it was the direction he wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very different experience. And I went along and went along and they actually changed the tone of the book, made it black and white for older kids. And Oh, no, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, and wanted me to say concentration camps. And, hmm. you know, I understand that there's a certain percentage of people who feel like you're a Holocaust denier if you don't tell young children. But about two thirds of everybody agrees that you really don't say those things until children are older. And, yes. and you still don't even, shouldn't even show uh, images to kids as young as sixth grade. And that that's coming from the National Holocaust Museum uh, or Institute. I forget mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if there's two separate things in um, DC mm -hmm. and then also in um, Israel, there's another one that are kind of the leading things. So I love it. I love that it's in color, that the dog is fun. It's for younger kids. I wanted younger kids to have a hero yes. and somebody to look up to. 100%. And yeah, so it, it works. I love you know? it. I love yeah. it. And I love that you chose Bonhoeffer because it's not, it, I do have a concern that some of those great stories of heroes of our faith outside of scripture are going to get lost if we're not intentionally passing that along. Not in, And also as parents, I can imagine, I have no doubt that there are many people listening right now who are like, I have never heard of Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. I would totally understand that because I think people who were not raised in the pew, like I was, you know, and, uh -huh. and, and people who are at a much different 
I don't know. There's a lot of ways that people could be walking with the Lord and in church regularly and not know who Bonhoeffer is. And yeah. so I think we run the risk of forgetting that and losing that. And there's no condemnation and shame if people don't know who he is. Go get this children's book. Great place to start. <laughs> you know, <laughs> start discovering those people and then sharing those people with your kids because all of this stuff is passed on through story and mm -hmm. through sharing those stories. And so I think the fact that you chose Bonhoeffer and his what he's done and his legacy to make sure that not only is it shared on an adult level, but that it is becoming something that we can instill in the hearts of the next, next, next generation, you know, of these mm -hmm. tinies that then they can grow because you gave a great starting point and there's mm -hmm. so much more. I think you did an incredible job of introducing the atrocities of World War II without going to a point where you almost feel like cringe can't show this to a kid. You actually opened the door very well because we have to open that door somehow, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you did a great job with that. And so I think these kids start at this, this spot and they mm -hmm. can evolve in their understanding of Bonhoeffer and their knowledge mm -hmm. of him. And like you mm -hmm. said, their antenna are up now. So now mm -hmm. when they hear in church or they hear a quote or something, they know that name and they just evolve with their age, their knowledge of him and their understanding of what he did. And I just think it's beautiful. Do you have anybody else on the, on the line? Like what's next? Is there another hero of the faith you're going after? Oh, Wilberforce. Are you doing him? Well, I'd like to, it's going to take some research Yeah. and there is a series. I, I pitched this book to be part of a series. So the next one in this, it's called the here I am series, which is wonderful. I felt called to ministry in high school. And that was the scripture that, that led mm -hmm. me forward was the here I am. So when they said that, I was like, oh, that's just perfect that they chose that. Mine is the first. And I suggested that each one be told by a different animal. And they chose other people to write the other ones, which is fine because it takes a long time. They did choose C.S. Lewis to be the next one, which nice. I love. Oh, I love, 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 love. I know. I said, I actually know more about C.S. Lewis than I do Bonhoeffer. <laughs> Although now I've read so much about Bonhoeffer, it's probably pretty close. <laughs> yeah. And then the third one is Lottie Moon. Oh, and yes. she was a Baptist missionary to China yeah. and the, yeah. oh, the Baptist churches take up an offering every mm -hmm. Christmas. The Lottie Moon Christmas <laughs> offering. <laughs> I grew up with oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you say to a Baptist, who's Lottie Moon, they look at you cross-eyed. It's like, like the lady for the Christmas. I don't know. It's a Christmas offering though. <laughs> Regardless, we know we give her money every Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Oh, I love oh, it. Well, I hope yeah. that goes well for you. Any, you. Where can everybody get your book? Oh, um, they can get it at any major bookstore online. Uh, you can also get it at the Barnes and Noble if you have one in your town. I don't know if Mardell is carrying it. We don't have any up here in Montana, um, but I do know other Christian bookstores have it. And people are finding it from all over the world on my website. Uh, right now, the most people coming to my website are from France awesome. and Germany and Canada. I know. So it's yeah. it's a worldwide book. I, I hope that it'll eventually be translated mm -hmm. into other languages. And Yes. Uh, and that's yeah, the beauty. Bonhoeffer is a, I mean, he is a German hero, you know, I mean, that yeah. translates, he's a World War II hero. I mean, it translates in a lot of ways. So it that's does. beautiful. Oh, I love I it. Do, I love it. I do have a website as well. Yes, and the, the easiest way to get there is, well, you can either just type in my name or you can put in the teacher who became a spy.com. Nice. Mm -hmm. nice. And, I do like that title. Yeah. Thank you. I know they never changed it. I just was like, what would a kid remember about this book? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. 
and you take a something that they associate with their everyday life, a teacher, mm-hmm. and you yep. something that they have such an understanding, firm grasp of, and you connect it with this thing that mm-hmm. makes them, like you said, like the superheroes, you know, the spies, like it makes yeah. them kind of get excited and wonder and you, and just showing how that something they understand so well can be some, come something that they kind of dream of. Yeah. You know, that's just so cool. Mm-hmm. So much good stuff in that. Oh, thank you. Oh, totally. Thank you so much for being here today, Molly. I hope that this has been good for you. I know I've enjoyed it and I hope that the listeners will get their hands on your book. I'll definitely have your website and your book and everything linked up in the show notes and everything else we've talked about, including any scripture we've referenced and everything. Is there anything else before we close out today that you wanted to say or share or had in your notes? No, I think that's great. And I think what you're doing is great. I look forward to hearing more of your podcast. And I was blessed by listening to you and Angela. And, you you know, I had trauma as a child. My father passed away um, Mm -hmm. when I was six and just seeing people around me suffer after that. And, you know, that it was a lot of healing that took place, especially because I felt called to help other people. And it's hard to help other people when you have a big hole in your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. And my dad uh, fought in Vietnam and was, oh, yeah, had PTSD from that. He was an army officer. He actually was in Germany first wow. for three years, um, straight out of college and then went to Vietnam. And then my, um, my mom's dad fought in World War II and he was never the same afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard on him. And, mm-hmm. and there's those ripple effects for generations. So I'm hoping this will bless families that have, um, you know, had uh, grief and trauma in their lives too, to talk about how God can heal us and work in us. And even if life doesn't go where we plan for it to go, we know that God's going to be with us. Absolutely. Oh, that sounds like you have a children's book about PTSD in your heart. <laughs> I'm just saying, because yeah. you know, what a, what a hard thing for kids that so many kids have to manage and have to, mm-hmm. even when they don't understand it, they can tell something's different. Mm-hmm. Something's, you know, there's an energy there that's kind of scary mm-hmm. and kind of not right. And they're not sure how to call it, you know, what to do with it, how to name it and how to break that apart. And, and then, mm-hmm. like you said, if we can kind of peel back the layer of reality to that, help them understand maybe what's going on and where it comes from, but then also combining that with the truth that God is in control and God is love and giving Mm -hmm. them peace in the midst of, you know, trying times and hard, scary Mm -hmm. things, you know? So there you go. So you've got like four more books to write. So right, right. And I think a lot of kids don't, really understand that suffering is part of life. And yes. so they just keep thinking something's wrong with them or wrong with their family when, oh, we have a good family. Things mm-hmm. are going okay. We're going to make it. This mm-hmm. is life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why keep writing these books that oh, are encouragement. You. Please do. Showing our kids that we can walk strong and brave and confident in the midst of the scary and the hard and the difficult and giving them people like Bonhoeffer and heroes they can look up to, to keep that going. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for being here and thank you for everything that you're putting out there. Thank you. I look forward to being in touch. Hey friend, if you enjoyed this episode and you got some good stuff out of it, there's a few options you have. One, you could click that little subscribe button because let's be honest, who's got time to remember to 
check back and see if there's a new episode, right? So click that subscribe button. And then when a new episode comes up, it will just by the magic of the internet pop up in your Dropbox and it'll be right there for you whenever you're ready. And also, if you would review this podcast, oh my gosh, if you like what you heard, get on there, give it a five star review. If you didn't like what you heard, just pretend it never happened, okay? <laughs> but if you would do um, a review for me, just take a couple seconds and do that. Not only would I be crazy excited, but also it would just be a great way for us to partner together for you to help this podcast be seen by more women out there. And you could be a part of helping more women discover these practical ways to apply God's word to just everyday stuff. So I would love it, love it, love it if you could help me out in one of those two ways. Mm-hmm.